Happiness and contentment. Maybe two different things. We'll talk about it in podcast 1084, 1084, the Bob Davis Podcasts. They say that uh, mid-January is the most depressing time <laughs> in, the, in the year. And it's because it's in between these, uh, you know, silly holidays, which are built uh, for a reason. This is the coldest, darkest, quote-unquote darkest, even though the days are getting longer, period. It doesn't matter where you are, you're dealing with winter weather. People in California, even here in Arizona, it's alternately 70 and warm and uh, cloudy and windy or raining. And that's the extent of winter in Arizona where I am today uh, in Quartzsite down here by the tent city way over in the parking lot the back parking lot by um, the tent so that's what you hear and this is a huge uh, area where the big RV show is going on and there's also a bunch of vendors over here so this is kind of a mecca for people to just come and try to buy cheap stuff and do the thing so we're going to talk about happiness and contentment in this podcast all right good let me just quick bring this thing up So let me do this. Let me just show you how easy it is to um, go online and go to thebobdavispodcast.com and click on the BU Enterprises banner at the top of the page. I've just done that. That's how fast and easy it is. And then you're going to see a bunch of banners up there, and and you're going to see BU programs, trainers, studios, bodywork, contact us. And the slogan, BU Enterprises, invites you back to yourself. So we're going to go to studios and bodywork. Because there's something I want to talk about right here. And I have to scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. There's a bunch of different options. Intro to vinyasa and so forth. And we get on down to Tai Chi for nomads, travelers, and the homebound on Tuesdays at, I believe, 10 o'clock Mountain Time. So this would be for the folks here in Quartzsite if you're listening. So what BU Enterprises does is they have used, up to this point, they have used Zoom and other communications tools to help people get stretches, get back in their body, breathe, and things of that nature. We are all under an enormous amount of stress given inflation, given the state of the world, given the uncertainty, and it really helps to get some kind of meditative practice, some kind of breathing practice, and you do not have to be Mr. or Mrs. Universe. You just have to be somebody who's willing to take the time to sit down with uh, with uh, BU and do it. Now, I've showed you in an audio form how quick and easy it is to go to their website and look this stuff up. Let me tell you about Ray Hayward, who is the guy that's going to teach this Tai Chi class, which is very common. You see people doing Tai Chi all the time, and it's very simple. You can go online, you can use Zoom or whatever tool uh, works for you, and you can take this class and it's great for nomads, travelers, and the homebound. Just real quick as a summary, Juliet uh, from uh, BU Enterprises is on a mission to help people through this tool, this website. So if you wanna learn more, go to buenterprises.com, that's B-E-Y-O-U enterprises.com, or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. Ray's been doing this since the late 70s, so he has a lot of experience. He's studied with some pretty heavyweight guys, So if you want to learn Tai Chi, this is the guy to teach. And you can do it online at BU Enterprises. Last year, about this time, 
I did a podcast about uh, observation, orientation, decision-making, and then acting on those decisions. People uh, have sort of turned that into a very complicated idea. Just to give you some history on what's called the OODA loop, it comes from uh, a uh, probably the best the best fighter pilot instructor that we've ever produced, uh, a guy by the name of Boyd, who became a colonel in the Air Force and was trapped in the Pentagon uh, political infrastructure. Of course, he was such a uh, renegade as an officer. He should have been a general, but they never made him a general. They just made him a full bird colonel, and that's as far as he went. And he spent, I don't know how many years, developing this this thing called the OODA loop, which was originally designed to teach fighter pilots how to quickly uh, figure out how to deal with uh, a dogfighting situation. But it has huge implications in, uh, in life and work. And ever since they wrote this book about Boyd, it's called Boyd. I don't even remember who wrote it. I don't have the book with me, and I'm not going to go and do give you you'll just find it if you search Boyd you'll find the book and it's great it's a great story but it's also a great story of how he developed this and he studied every form of warfare mixed martial arts tactical strategic armor you know and really went into detail on this thing and I think he wrote a book about it actually which was a paper which is probably classified I know there's an OODA Loop podcast. I know that uh, these business coaches have taken to uh, employing it. Suddenly they've rediscovered it, probably because I started talking about it. <laughs> Wishful thinking, but yeah. This idea that you observe what's going on, you orient yourself to your observations, you make some decisions, and then you act on those decisions and you keep going through that loop called the OODA loop as you move I think for life in general uh, one of the things I've thought about is that that is a very the, the OODA loop is a very handy tool to really figuring out what's going on where a lot of times when you're on the road and you're just sitting and I'll tell you about why I'm just sitting in a second you can get to the point where you don't really know where you are. You have, you're just sitting and you're, I'm not saying not necessarily doing anything. I have work, I do things. But you have to remember, you have to say to yourself, well, what did you do for yourself today? What did you eat? Did you get a shower? Did you clean up your vehicle? In other words, monitoring your behavior to really determine whether you're quote-unquote depressed. I've never suffered from depression. I wouldn't say that I'm depressed. I would say it's the opposite. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm almost manic in the, in, the, in the respect that I'm always thinking and planning and, you know, wanting to take on a sort of a project. But I've been aware of the OODA loop for a long time, and it, and when, uh, about a year ago, maybe it was a little earlier than a year ago, so late fall 21, early winter of 22, I came to the conclusion that uh, 
in terms of what I was doing, which is barnstorming around the country, going literally coast to coast, border to border, inside of a year, and hitting most of the lower 48. I've been to all lower 48, but I mean, I hit most of them in a frantic, uh, just crazy, joyful, euphoric charge up and down and across the country. Not necessarily to see things. I don't have a bucket list, as I've often talked about. I really don't care if I go to uh, name a national park. I've seen a lot of them, and they are spectacular. And I've camped in a lot of spectacular places. But it's taken me quite a while to learn, uh, you know, how to do this. And when I first started, I did what I used to do when I was traveling in the 2014, you know, period, covering uh, events. I would. I was always going to or from something, whatever it was, and the price of fuel. If you'll recall, in late uh, December, early January of twenty-two, began to skyrocket, and the first indication I had of that was when I was in Nevada at around that time, and I had to pay four sixty-nine a gallon for diesel, and I was furious, even though that was at this place. I don't know what it is now, but it it's a it's basically a uh, a former I believe it is a former Pony Express stopover that's still the only thing in the desert between uh, I don't know Las Vegas and, and uh, uh, Lake Mead or something I, I don't know somewhere out there in the desert so I was furious then I got to Quartzsite this is in January of 22 and it became obvious to me through observation that I had to orient myself to a new reality, which is the high price of fuel. And that is why I have been basically not traveling very much. I did travel last summer. I talked about it in the podcast, Colorado and Utah. Um, This summer I have some more ambitious plans for travel, probably about the same mileage though, as last summer. But I do not take sitting still very well. Uh, it, It really bothers me. My situation is that I am just furious that uh, 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 for the price of fuel, I'm not doing a whole podcast about the price of fuel. Out here, when you talk to people, they're like, oh, these oil companies, and it's all this misinformation about everything, and that's a really a simpleton's view of of what is going on. If you want to listen to the... um, economic podcasts I've done, I still think that they're spot on for a lot of reasons. Uh, not the least of which is that if you're watching YouTube and you're watching YouTube for financial information and you're watching various, um, for lack of a better term, prognosticators, who uh, they all have an agenda. And the worst thing is that they end up getting sucked into the algorithm of their particular channel and depending on what you're watching in terms of financial channels you get gold bugs you get uh, crypto kids you get uh, fourth turners you get these people who believe these either deterministic theories or silly theories about what happens when and how and uh, they push these guys into certain points of view that will change over time. For example, I watch a couple of different guys. I'm not going to say who because I don't do that. 
but they would know when I tell you what they were saying. So a year ago, they were all saying, you know, you cannot have quantitative easing, which is the, uh, in, you know, the, the injection of $95 billion worth of capital per month for 10 years. They do it through the banks. It's in the banking system, but the banks then loan the money out, and that's how we create money in the society. Again, not going to go into it. It's already been explained in two or three different podcasts. You cannot have this kind of uh, loose monetary policy and money printing, for lack of a better term, even though the Fed doesn't print money, but you know what I mean, and not have inflation. And the answer and the key and the solution to that is to raise interest rates and withdraw quantitative easing. This is what they were all saying. Well, you fast forward a year and we're, they're freaking out because uh, other indicators show that we're going to have a recession. And I'm sitting here going, yes, we want a recession. And for several reasons. But now they're saying, oh, uh, you know, now inflation is going down and, uh, you know, all is well. They don't have to keep doing what they're doing. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, if, if, uh, if inflation is 6.5%, that means food and fuel. Aside from the great inflation we experienced early in the year, 10.5% is still increasing at a 6.5% annual rate according to the consumer uh you know the cpi so either way what we really need is deflation if we want to get fuel prices back down to where they were everybody's like oh the fuel prices are going down well they're still not going down to the point of being a dollar 50 a gallon for gas and somewhere around 250 or 280 or 230 for uh diesel fuel so what we need is deflation which is a general a reduction in prices below the rate of inflation. Right now we have disinflation. So we're not there yet. Which is my point when I talk about contentment versus happiness. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I, I was going to do a podcast and, because I had this tremendous feeling of contentment. And generally speaking, I do have a feeling of contentment. But I would, when it comes to happiness, happiness, and this is where we get back to the OODA loop thing, you need more than just you know, a protocol for orienting yourself to reality with the information that you have. That's what the OODA loop is. The observe, orient, decide, act, sequence. You observe the situation. You orient yourself to the situation. You decide what you're going to do about the situation. And then you act on that decision immediately you don't wait to act. So this is a whole procedure you have to go through. You don't wait to act. You act, and then you go right back through the loop because what you're doing is observing the effect of your actions now in addition to the original observations. Well, that's all fine and well, but what's your overall goal? Now, if you're a fighter pilot, your overall goal is to survive and complete the mission. So one has to think, okay, what am I doing out here? Why am I doing this? Now, when I was barnstorming and running around the country, it was very easy for me to think, oh, why am I doing this? Whereas when I'm sitting still, it's a whole different question. So happiness, yeah, I'm happy. You know, I'm healthy. I, I take care of myself. I have just gone through a period of not having a phone, and, and I'm frustrated with that. But by and large, I would say that I'm happy. I'm not ecstatic. 
And I go back and forth and up and down as far as whether or not I'm contented. And we'll talk about a little bit more of that in the second half of this podcast. Got a couple people to thank for donations. One of them is Greg Stamp. Again, thanks much. And Mindy Collins, who uh, so far is the donation, well, one of the donation leaders. If you want to support what I'm doing at thebobdavispodcast.com, just go to the page, thebobdavispodcast.com. Click on the little yellow. It's an oval yellow PayPal donate button. Takes you to PayPal. You can set up a recurring donation, or you can... uh, donate whatever you want uh, one time only now that donate button is right underneath the picture of mobile podcast command on the right side of the screen currently and i do appreciate the donations also appreciate subscribing to the bob davis podcast at itunes that really helps the feeds and thanks again for listening subscribing and sharing the bob davis podcasts in fact, the feeling of contentment didn't last very long. And this is the thing I find you know, interesting about this concept, these words that describe a certain feeling of fullness or a feeling of satisfaction like you have after a really good meal. In fact, when I actually experienced that, I was drinking my coffee after having a really fantastic meal. I think we made fried chicken and it was amazing that feeling of contentment lasted a few days and I kept saying why do I feel this feeling of contentment what, what's going on well I think it was because I was with friends we're here there's a certain community feeling and all of that but at the same time and I'm going to say something that might upset some people who are doing the nomad thing um, but people back home will fully understand this uh, there's a lot of people here And, of course, there are levels of people that do this. RV people, nomads, schoolie people, hippies, whatever you want to call them. And these retirees. And people come into this with different resources. Some people have more resources than others, whether it's access to debt. In other words, access to borrowed money. Or whether they have the actual cash resources to come out here and sumptuously sumptuously outfit themselves with uh, travel trailers or uh, or uh, RVs they bring their generators they bring their side-by-sides they bring their car they I mean it's ridiculous <laughs> I mean it's really ridiculous to a certain degree so there's a different delineation between the actual nomads and the people who are just what we would call snowbirds snowbirds because they're not full-time. They're going to go back to Ypsilanti, as I like to say. Or they're going to go back to uh, uh, Akron, Ohio. Or, you know, Ottawa, Canada. Or Columbus, Ohio. And they have a driveway where they park the vehicle. And they have a house. And they're going to go back to sitting in their in their backyard this summer. And that's that. And they have a different approach to things than the general nomads the general nomad thing is generally not as much of a footprint generally not running generators 24 hours a day we tend to lean on various types of solar even if it's uh you know portable solar and portable solar generators or full solar in a you know 1996 uh, bus or some broken down rv or some crazy structure 
So sitting out here permanently is a different experience and it's not one that I take well to because a lot of these people who are retired, they don't do anything. They just, uh, they're just out here and they have friends and they play cards and they do the retirement thing. Uh, we used to call it playing shuffleboard in Miami. It's very similar to that, except it's a little bit more active because you have to do things. There's many things that need to be screwed in, unplugged, changed, lifted, and I think that's probably a good thing for people who are retired because they're focused on the things they need to do to keep their rig and all of the uh, systems and everything else running while they're doing what they do. But I don't take well to just sitting, and I don't feel... I'm not retired. I don't feel retired. I, I have things to do. But I will tell you, as we do see inflation coming down and as we do see some mitigation of fuel prices, not so much with diesel, but it's getting there, I've come to the conclusion that this current observation and orientation and decision and action of saying, okay, I'm not going to travel because I'm not going to spend three, $400 to fill up my tank every time I want to go someplace. And that, you have to review. So when you're going through all this, you got to go, was that a good decision? Do I need to go back through that? And so I went back through it, did the whole exercise, basically, which is a mental exercise. Of what, what am I observing? Prices are starting to go down. Uh, would I orient myself to that and say, okay, what would I do then? Would I make a decision to start traveling more now than, uh, than I have been? And the answer is no, because we're still not there. So when you hear all these analysts cheering about uh, the, the quote-unquote, well, it's disinflation, basically, instead of uh, prices going higher, they are reducing within the... Uh, window of the current inflation, which was pretty significant at 10.5% at one point. And the investors want it to be, uh, they, want it, they, want it, they want inflation to do this because then they can make a prediction that the Federal Reserve at some point is going to quote-unquote pivot and start lowering interest rates. I wouldn't put any money on that in the short term, and I might not put any of money on that on, in the long term because inflation is still 6.5%. And this is what we all have to orient ourselves to until we get to a recession, which is probably inevitable due to the uh, constriction of the money supply or moving to a more restrictive money supply. Uh, then then uh, we'll have to reorient to that. That is a far easier um, thing to orient to for me because if we have deflation, which is a general reduction in prices below the rate of inflation, and you go from uh, inflating the money at 6.5% to deflating the money at minus 1, 2, 3, 4, and if it's a depression, it could be greater. And the longer that goes, the, what happens is the, the lower the prices go, and this is the most difficult thing for the uh, governments and for central banks to deal with. I don't feel bad about that because of my particular situation. If you own property, it's not good because the price of your property and the value of your property is going down. But if you don't own property, if you have cash, and if you're doing something where you can sit and not spend money in the short term, 
Well, then you are golden when deflation hits. And I am a deflation advocate. I believe that we are going to have a deflation. Who knows how serious it will be. Uh, the idea that if you have a significant deflation that the central banks can fix it by lowering interest rates may not be something that will work. It didn't work. Um, it didn't necessarily work in the Depression. And it ended up what had to happen was that uh, they had to make some changes in terms of what the dollar is based on essentially devaluing the US dollar in 1933-34 and it took it took another 20 years to get this country out of a depression and a war so it's it's a significant economic and social problem deflation but it's not it's the other side of the coin in terms of inflation the social and economic problem of inflation is significantly higher especially runaway inflation to uh, any nation or world uh, when inflation gets out of control, which is why the central banks, what they do is they create every recession and every depression ultimately is engineered by the central bank, in particular in the United States. And anyone who thinks that's not the case is wrong. Um, and of course, all of these people uh, on YouTube will say, the Fed is stupid. They're doing this. They're looking at back backward indicators. They're doing all this stuff, and, and, they, and they need to do this, and they need to do that. Well, you're not on the Fed, number one. And number two, of course they know that they're looking at backward indicators. The CPI is a backward uh, indicator. Of course they're doing that because they want to engineer a recession because they want to kill off inflation permanently, at least for the present time frame. For most people alive today, they don't remember when inflation was 18%. They don't remember the late 70s, the early 70s, when this inflation problem started. And even then, people really didn't fully understand what, what had caused it. So to sum up, my decision to sit had some really positive consequences. As I've talked about, I met people, I've made friends, I've I've gotten out of myself a little bit. You would think, listening to me, and if you knew me, that I'm very social and that I love people and I and so forth. I kind of, I guess I do, but it requires for me uh, the ability to adjust my thinking and my energy to various people. And these are various random people that you meet doing the nomad thing from various walks of life. So it requires a lot of me. <laughs> and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself. I've been enriched by these relationships that are permanent. I felt before when I was in the world that I was doing business networking, I felt that I was networking with the wrong people. I think I'm with the right people. I just, I'm not sure what that means, but it doesn't have to mean anything. So these are, the good news is there's an enrichment that has come from this and a learning uh, about a lot of things, you know, nomad uh, lore, so to speak, that has really been helpful. And, and if I hadn't had stopped down and said, I refuse to pay $5.69 for diesel, and I don't care. Now, I've, saved, I've been able to save a lot of money, which will enable me to travel this summer, and it will be easier because fuel will be cheaper. And I think 
I think in general, we're going to see by midsummer, we should probably see some significant reductions in prices in general. So as, as far as happiness and contentment, I'm contented in general. I'm chafing at the bit. I'm very restless. I want to travel and I just have to wait. The longer I wait, the more money I save. That's basically what I'm at. And it's only January. So yeah, the, the most depressing part of the whole <laughs> the most depressing part of the whole year. So thanks for listening to Bob Davis Podcast. Podcast 1084, 1084. Happiness and contentment in courtside. <gasps> You never